Coming up in this episode of Stay Haunted, we give you the Halloween Horror Nights panel from Midsummer Scream 2019. Hello there and welcome to Stay Haunted Creepy Kingdoms podcast, all about the major haunts. I'm your host, Mr. James H. Carter II, and haunt season has returned, so that means Stay Haunted is back. And here in Southern California, where I currently am, haunt season starts with Midsummer Scream. It is a Halloween and horror convention that takes place in Long Beach, California at the end of July every year. If you've been listening to other podcasts, you already know about it, but just in case you didn't, I <laughs> thought I'd let you know. And whoa, we did a lot there. We did a lot at Midsummer Scream. We had a live podcast. We had a booth. We screened our new short film, Georgie. A lot of fun stuff. But what takes place at Midsummer Scream is the haunt panels from the major haunts that gets us all excited for what's coming to us this fall. In future episodes, very future, (laughs) very future, I don't know if that's a correct phrase or not, but uh, very soon (laughs) we'll have... The panels from the Not Scary Farm panel, and as well as the Queen Mary's Dark Harbor panel, which is also the Dark Horizon panel, their new haunt in Orlando. (laughs) A lot of fun stuff coming up, but Horror Nights is just around the corner. It'll be starting very soon, whether in Orlando or in Hollywood, but we're going to give you the complete panel of Halloween Horror Nights at Midsummer Screen 2019. But before we do, I'm going to tell you that this episode of Stay Haunted is sponsored by Some Spooky Stuff. That's right, it is a spooky t-shirt and apparel company sponsoring this very show and currently is the Exclusive place to get a Creepy Kingdom t-shirt. Just check out SomeSpookyStuff.com And I have one last announcement. If you have been interested in checking out the documentary we made a few years ago on Haunted Mansion fans, Foolish Mortals, right now it is currently... Available in Creepy Kingdom's Patreon. But that's coming to an end. It's been there since January. And it's leaving September 5th. So if you want to check it out. And check out some bonus footage. Check out our exclusive podcast. Live from the Dungeon. Or Patreon exclusive podcast live from the Dungeon. Now's the time. Check that out. It's patreon.com slash creepy kingdom. 
All right, let's get this show started and let the haunting begin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Midsummer Scream. Universal Studio Hollywood Halloween Horror Nights is a Southern California tradition that draws fans to Los Angeles from all corners of the globe simply because they want to be scared to death. This year, fans will face classic Universal monsters, celebrate holidays in hell, take another trip to the Upside Down, and witness the Ghostbusters battle sinister spirits. What else does Universal have in store for this year's Halloween Horror Nights in Hollywood? Are you ready to find out? Please welcome to the stage, Universal Studios Hollywood Halloween Horror Nights Creative Director, John Murdy. How you doing? All right, um, I have some good news and I have some bad news, okay? Which do you want first? Bad news, okay. Uh, my partner in crime, Chris Williams, is unable to be with us today because he is sick. He texted me on the way over and he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. So uh, on behalf of Chris, he wanted me to say he's very sorry he couldn't be with all you guys today. Um, do you want the good news? Yeah. Roll the video. Hey, Midsummer Scream, it's Greg Nicotero here. Very, very sad that I can't be there with you and John Murdy, but we have some very exciting news. Creepshow is coming to Halloween Horror Nights. Yes, the 1980 movie by George Romero, as well as the new Shutter streaming series produced by myself, made with lots of love and blood. I don't even think that makes sense, but it makes sense. Uh, anyway, The Maze is coming to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal. You're gonna love it. It's going to have elements of the original movie plus the new series. I can't wait for you guys to see it. <laughs> All right, thank you very much for coming. <laughs> nah. Creepshow is coming to Halloween Horror Nights 2019, Universal Studios Hollywood. Give it up. How many of you guys are fans of the original film, the 1982 film? Right on. Uh, as a coincidence, so am I. <laughs> um, I saw the film in the theater and I instantly fell in love with it. You know, Creepshow has been one of those properties that's kind of always been on my wish list that maybe one day uh, we would do it. And then, as it turned out, last year during Halloween Horror Nights, um, Greg came, Greg Nicotero came to the event and told us that there was going to be a new creep show series on Shudder. Do you guys know about this? They just debuted the trailer at Comic-Con. Um, so the maze that we're creating for Halloween Horror Nights 2019 at Universal Studios Hollywood is uh, a combination of the original film directed by George Romero, the great George Romero, and the upcoming series that's going to be on Shudder that's debuting right around the time our event opens. Um, so you're going to get the best of both worlds. Is that okay with you? 
So what I'm going to do today, uh, boils and ghouls, is I'm going to uh, show you a little bit about what we're going to be doing with Creep Show. Um, and then um, I brought some other goodies to share with you as well. Maybe share some uh, scare zone characters, some scare zone art, some of the things we're creating for Halloween Horror Nights 2019. Is that okay with you? And I should, you know, in, in the spirit of full disclosure, I designed this obviously for myself and Chris to talk. So there'll be times when I click to a slide, which I, you know, honestly have no idea what I'm talking about. So just nod and smile when we get to those parts, okay? All right, now obviously this all started with Greg Nicotero. Uh, Greg came to the event last year and brought everybody down from both the original Creep Show and also the new Shutter series. And actually that's when we started talking. That's very, very common for us. We're usually planning the event. Actually right now we're actually planning 2020 at the same time we're planning 2019. Um, but, but it's very often that we meet with people during the event and we start talking about the properties that we want to do the following year. So we started talking really early about Creepshow. Obviously, you know, we have a long history with Mr. Nicotero. Um, this is a picture of Greg and I inside a real uh, helicopter uh, that we created for one of our Walking Dead mazes. But I actually, I ran into Greg a lot, lo you know, longer than Walking Dead. Um, years ago, I, I produced... Uh, a show for Universal Studios Hollywood, the old special effects stages show, I used to have a set called The Creature Factory. And I did a whole piece, a makeup piece on Greg Nicotero and his work in a movie called Day of the Dead. And that's actually when I first met Greg, so I've known him for a long, 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 long time. What's great with working with someone like Greg and the talented people at K&B Effects is um, they know our product, they're big fans of Horror Nights, um, so we actually designed this maze, you know, kind of hand-in-hand with Greg sitting down in our office with Chris and I. Um, and also what's really exciting is because he did all the makeup and K&B did all the makeup for the new show, that means we get to utilize the same molds that Greg created for the TV series. So when you get to see the creatures um, for the new series, you're going to be seeing the exact same stuff that you saw on the television show. So let's talk about Creepshow. So... When you think about a movie like this and how you want to approach it, you know, the origin of this whole movie is that it's inspired by the old uh, EC comics, the horror comics of the 1950s that Romero grew up with. Um, we really wanted to pay homage to that because if you guys watch Creepshow, it's got a lot of references to comic books, right? So the facade for our attraction is actually going to be a giant Creepshow comic book. And you're going to walk into the comic book and the comic book's going to come to life. I'll show you um, a couple of examples of that. So now the host for our experience, kind of the through line that's going to take us through these five different stories that we're dealing with is, of course, the creep. Uh, this is the new creep. This is the creep that Mr. Nicotero designed for the new series. Um, so the first section of the maze is going to be called Meet the Creep, and we're going to be kind of walking through the pages of a comic book. I'll show you just a, a rough design element. Um, this is like the comic book arc that you saw in the film, and our idea is that we wanted to bring that to life. So... Working with our designers, we were able to reach out to everybody at Shudder and not only get all of the comic book art being generated for the new TV series, but the thing I always loved about those old comic books were the kooky ads you would find in them. You know what I'm talking about? The authentic monkey's paw. Only 4 dollars um, 
so when you're walking through it, not only are you going to see comic book panels that are going to be setting up the five different stories that you're going to experience, but it's also going to be some of this, you know, these ads that you would historically find in these comic books. So this is just a rough SketchUp model that um, our design staff and our art department are working on. So as you're going through this first section, you're kind of walking through the pages of a creep show comic book, and the creep is coming to life and attacking you. And you're going to see the creep throughout this experience. As I mentioned, he's more or less the through line. But then we get to our first story. You know, so Chris and I had the, you know, unenviable task of picking three stories from Creep Show, the 1982 film. So right out of the gate, you know, the, the way Chris and I work is we have to both, you know, agree 100% or it doesn't go in the maze. And that's how we've always worked. Um, we didn't have any arguments about what to start the Creep Show maze off with. We wanted to start it off with Father's Day. Now, how many of you guys have seen the original film, the 1982 film? Okay. And how many of you guys are going to now go out and rent or, you know, get it on... Yep, and watch it. It's, an, it's a, one of my favorite horror movies. If you like anthology horror movies, it's fantastic. But the story, the first story is called Father's Day, and it's about um, this uh, patriarch of this very wealthy man, you know, who's kind of a tyrant, and his, um, his daughter murders him with an ashtray. Um, and then on Father's Day every year, she goes to the family, you know, plot. He's buried right there on the property, and she goes to pay her respects to the father she killed. But on this particular Father's Day, old Nathan Grantham comes out of the ground, and he says, it's Father's Day. I want my cake. And that's, you know, what we're going to bring to life. So, what we have to bring to life is the Grantham house and the family plot. So after you get the comic book panel that sets you up for Father's Day, this is what you're walking into. So uh, gave this to Chris. I pull all the reference from the movie, and then Chris and his art department starts drawing it. So this is just an elevation. This is a, from Chris's drawing package. This is the Grantham house. And, you know, Chris and our art department, what they want to do and what we always at least strive to do with every maze we do for Halloween Horror Nights is to try to nail every detail. So, you know, that includes Nathan Grantham's grave. And we wanted that exact gravestone. We wanted to build it exactly like the movie. We wanted to see Nathan coming out of the grave. So this is just another elevation that shows you, you know, what Chris and his team are designing and what is being built right now. And then you go into the Grantham's house and really... You know, one of the things that was really important to us, and it was important to Greg, and we talked a lot with Greg about how to bring this to life in a maze, is not only is the movie inspired by a comic book, but it looks like a comic book. You know, all of the individual segments start off as a comic book panel illustration, and then they bleed into the live action. Um, but also, whenever something really bad happens in Creepshow, the lighting changes, and it goes red and blue, and it has those crazy kind of lightning bolt patterns. And this is something we wanted to bring to the maze. So as you're going through the Grantham house and you're being attacked by Nathan um, in his, you know, just crawled out of the grave state, um, every time he attacks, we're doing this lighting trick so that we're paying homage to the film. Uh, even to the extent of, of doing the, the lightning bolt pattern. So here's a, another elevation I'll show you. This is, of course, the I got my cake scene from Father's Day. But when he comes out through that, you know, serving door, the whole background that lights up behind him turns into that kind of red and blue lightning bolt pattern that you see in the film. So all throughout the maze, uh, the direction we're giving our lighting designers and our lighting team is to bring it to life so that it feels like a comic book. And that's Father's Day. Story number two, or episode number two, uh, The Crate. You guys remember The Crate? Okay, this is, uh, 
Adrian Barbeau, Fritz Weaver, Hal Holbrook were the stars of this particular episode of the movie. And what it, it's about a small college on the East Coast where a janitor just so happens to find this really old shipping crate from 1834 that's shoved under a staircase. It's probably been down there for, you know, over 100 years. And he calls a professor and tells him, you know, to come down here. They may have made a major discovery. But when they open up the crate... Um, there's something really, really bad inside it. Do you guys know the name of the, the actual, what's the official name? This should have been my trivia question. I should, could have used this later. Fluffy, that's right. Fluffy the crate beast is the name of the creature. He's like an ape-like creature that's inside the crate. And of course, he starts eating people, and that's where the horror ensues. Um, so the main setting for us to recreate here is the science classroom. Um, and of course, as you can see from the screen grabs I've got on the screen, there's an awful lot of blood. And I thought it might be kind of interesting, and this was something I was going to have Chris talk about because he knows the chemistry behind this. Um, but, you know, how, how we make blood, you know, because you, you think it's like, you know, a no-brainer. Yeah, we do a horror event. There's a lot of blood. But when you're doing, did you guys see our Shining Maze a couple of years ago? Yeah. Remember the, like the elevator scene, all that blood? That's like actually like a special kind of blood that our guys invented. Um, when, they, when they put it on, it looks like hot pink, and it looks horrible. So the first time I ever saw them do this, I walked into The Shining, and I was like, my God, what have you done? <laughs> it's pink, you know. Um, but uh, when it dries, it turns like the, it, red, and it looks wet, and it always retains that look. So these are just, um, this is just blood tests. This is what we do in our copious spare time. Um, so our prop team, uh, which is headed up by a gentleman named Tony Lindis and a whole bunch of talented uh, prop uh, and set dressing artisans, uh, they have to make a whole ton of this stuff. So they prefabricate the blood. That's why you see that blue um, tape on the side. They put it down so they can lift it off again, and then they can take it into the environment and then, you know, facet it into the scenes and attach it. But the great part of it is it always looks wet, and it stands up to heavy traffic, which we have in a maze. There's a lot of you that walk through our mazes. Um, this is just another example of Chris's drawing package. So Chris hand draws everything. You know, even today, it, this always blows people's minds when I tell them that. We hand draw everything. So, you know, if you're aspiring, you know, to, to do this for a career, how many of you guys out there, like, want to be in this industry or do something like this for a living? A lot of you, yeah. Um, learn how to draw. <laughs> I know we, we, we always default to the computer these days and think that everything's designed in the computer. And, of course, we use the computer. It's a major tool in our design kit. But all of our set designers and illustrators, they all hand draw every single elevation. And this is just an elevation that shows the scene when you come in and meet Fluffy. Now... Of course, we have to create Fluffy. Um, but he's really small. If you've ever seen the movie, he's like, you know, his feet would be like where my knees are, and this would be his body. Um, so that presented an interesting challenge for us. So Chris and our team devised a kind of clever way to do Fluffy. Um, he's, you know, inside his crate. Part of his body is fake. Part of it is a creature costume, and it's integrated with the live performer. And we're building that right now. As a matter of fact, uh, this is his feet. <laughs> and that's his hand. Every day, my phone blows up with like endless, endless texts from my makeup uh, team, which is a guy named Pat McGee, Pat McGee Effects. Um, and he's, you know, busily working with all of these molds and sculpting, and he's just constantly sending me all of these updates. But they're huge files, and they constantly block my phone. <laughs> uh, now, one of the people that Fluffy attacks is a guy named Charlie Garrison. And he's a, a student at the college, graduate student, 
And Fritz Weaver tells him, Charlie, don't go in there. But of course, like every horror movie, what do you do when somebody says, don't go in there? You go in there. Charlie goes in. He can't resist because, you know, this might make his academic career. Unfortunately, he wakes up Fluffy and Fluffy you know, smacks him in the face with his claw and does this horrible gash across his face. So that's a different kind of makeup that we have to create. You know, we create a lot of masks, but we also do a lot of what's called prosthetic makeup. And that's usually like a foam latex uh, appliance, sometimes it's silicone, that gets glued to the actor's face every single night. And then the makeup gets blended and applied with the blood. So this is the prosthetic makeup that will be applied to the performers playing Charlie Garrison. Episode three. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you guys, but when I saw Creepshow back in 1982, and I was mm, 15, 15, um, so the, that means I probably snuck in. Um, this is the episode that really freaked me out the most. Cockroaches. I can't stand cockroaches. Um, do you guys like cockroaches? Do you like hanging out? First time I ever met my wife, she was holding a cockroach in her hand. She's like, look. And I'm like, oh, you're cool. Let's get married. Um, <laughs> um, this is about a story about uh, a billionaire who lives in what's supposedly a germ-free apartment, a penthouse apartment in New York City. And he's paranoid about germs, so he's kind of modeled after um, Howard Hughes. Um, but he keeps noticing that these cockroaches keep getting into his apartment, and he's getting more and more angry as he goes along, trying to understand how his germ-free apartment could have these bugs in it. And unfortunately, there's a blackout in New York City, and then all of the cockroaches start piling in through his vents and through the sink and through every single nook and cranny of his apartment until he is completely consumed with cockroaches. And the la you remember the last shot? Well, I'll save it. I got a picture of it. Um, this is actually probably one of the harder design challenges for Chris and his team. Um, it's, it's actually easy to do jacked up scenes, you know, like haunted houses that are aged and, and look like they're falling down. That's actually easier to do scenically than to make something that looks super, super clean. This set always reminds me of Kubrick's like 2001 A Space Oddity. Um, so that's what Chris has to, you know, reproduce. And then my props guys have to go out and find, like, a vintage jukebox that looks exactly like the one in the film. Um, this is the elevation that goes along with that. So, of course, our guys draw all this stuff. Some of it gets built by our scenic companies. Some of it gets built by our prop artisans. Um, I just focused on one thing. When the blackout happens, there's, a, there's like, an oxygen sensor siren that goes, nah, nah, nah. Um, and I was, you know, going through the film like I do whenever I'm working on a maze. And I'm like, what is that thing? I don't know. It's kind of cool. I'm going to put it in the treatment, see if Chris builds it or not. Um, and so I was happy when I saw his drawing package. And I was like, geez, he actually, like, he, he did a whole page just on this oxygen sensor. So um, just, like, trying to get all the details of the movie, you know, try to nail all the things that we think are important in every scene, and then try to bring them to life for you guys so that when you're walking through our maze, hopefully, if we've done our job right, you feel like you're walking through the movie. Um, and of course, this happens. So, you know, this is quite a challenging scene to do. You know, uh, I, I know our prop guys have got like kajillions and billions of bugs that they're working on. But, you know, you want the movement too. And it's just not acceptable to release a bunch of cockroaches loose in a maze. And, you know, it's, you know, it's frowned upon. So we couldn't do that. Um, so, of course, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to rely on projection as well as all of the static things that are in the scene. Um, so you're going to go through Upson's uh, penthouse apartment. 
You're going to see that all the bugs are starting to get in. And then you're going to go into his private sleeping chambers. And in the film, he gets overwhelmed with cockroaches. And then it kind of cuts to the next, presumably like the next day. Um, and, you know, the maintenance guy is finally calling to tell him, hey, you know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here to help you with your bug problem. He's not answering the phone. And then you see, like, one cockroach run out of his mouth, and then hundreds of them pour out of it. Um, so we're going to do this scene, of course, because how could we not? Um, <laughs> so that's a live performer. So we've got a live performer integrated with a special effect illusion table. Um, this is kind of like how we did the reverse bear trap for Saw, if you saw our saw maze or one of our saw mazes over the years, um, it's, it's a slant board effect so that part of the performer's body is concealed within the set and we're marrying up th their real body, which is usually their head, shoulders, and arms, to a, a fake body. Um, and then we're adding layers of projection on top of it so that you know, when you come through this last scene, um, you know, there's bugs crawling everywhere. And then after that, we're going to mess with you. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't really want to tell you. <laughs> I'll save some things. Um, now, the last two stories in Creepshow are based on the new Shudder series. And I'm not going to show any spoilers because I want you guys all to experience the series and see it just like I saw it. Um, so I'm just going to show you uh, a couple of references of like the drawing packages and things like that. But I'm going to save all the creatures because Greg would kill me because <laughs> he's created all of them and he wants, you know, he wants to have that impression, obviously, when you watch it for the first time. But there's two particular stories we're focusing on, both of which are from the upcoming series on Shudder. Um, one of them is called Gray Matter. Is anybody familiar with that story? It was a short story previously. Um, it's about a guy who uh, is, drinks a beer and ingests some mutagen that causes things to change. And that's all I'll say about that. Um, but his apartment, what we work with is we work with location photography. So we get all these pictures from the set. And then we have to bring it to life. So uh, there's something in the apartment, but I won't tell you what that is. Um, and then Chris takes all of those pictures that I send him, and he starts doing his drawings. So all of that moss and mold and mildew, all of that is stuff that you know Chris draws into the drawing package, as you see here. And then that really is the job of our props and dressing people to come in and dress the set after the scenic crew is done um, to make it look exactly like it looks in the television show. Um, we're going to take you into the kitchen, and it's getting even worse, and it's even more mildewy, and there's this weird mold growing everywhere. And then this is just a close-up of one particular drawing of the kitchen. Um, so that's another example of what our props and dressing crew have to do. Uh, and then you're going to go into the bathroom. And it just progressively, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So if you're a germaphobe or you don't like mold, or you're pretty much screwed. Sorry. And again, this is a couple close-ups of uh, what Chris has drawn in the drawing package with our production designers. So it just gets worse and worse and worse, and then eventually you're going to meet what is behind all of this. And I'll leave it at that. And last but not least, episode five is a story called Bad Wolf Down. It's a story that takes place in France. Uh, it's kind of towards the, like, around the time of Battle of the Bulge, so towards the latter part of World War II. There's a, an American troop that's kind of caught behind enemy lines during that battle, um, and they have to retreat to a French um, jail cell, um, and that's where all the action takes place. So for us, we have to create this French jail cell, and immediately they start picking up on some things that are not right inside this jail cell. They see these claw marks on the wall like you see here. Um, the table's broken, there's dead body in there, there's, you know, 
uh, again, more of these jagged claw marks, and you start wondering, well, what's going on inside this? And of course, I give this to Chris and his team, and they draw it all up, so this is another example. Now, every one of these drawing packages is probably like 100 pages, you know, 100 pages of drawings. Um, we're doing more mazes than ever before this year. In total, we're doing, I don't know if you guys know this or not, um, but we're doing 10 mazes this year, you know, so. <laughs> 10 mazes times 100 drawings per maze, you know, that's a lot of people drawing. And where do these people come from? Well, a lot of them are production designers for movies and television shows who then come over and they kind of moonlight for us in between productions. So we've got this staple of movie production designers that always like to come back and work with us on horror nights. And every once in a while, it's, it's cool. Like last year, we actually had a guy that we had drawing our maze, and he goes, oh, I, this was my movie. I worked on this movie. So we actually production designed the movie and production designed the maze. Um, and eventually, where we're headed is these jail cells, these very, very dark jail cells. And you know something bad is inside there waiting for you. You just don't know what it is. Um, but you see blood everywhere, and you see a full moon. And then you walk inside the jail cells, and then it just goes bad. And then once you've gotten through um, Bad Wolf Down, we're going to treat the, uh, the maze just like the movie, just like the original film. It starts with the prologue, and it ends with the epilogue. So, you know, if you remember the prologue to Creepshow, it's the, the dad is yelling at his son, how could you read this crap? You know, why do you waste your time on these comic books? And he threatens to throw the comic book away. So when you come out of the last scene of Bad Wolf Down, you enter that alleyway, you see that the kid's comic book, his precious Creepshow comic book, has been thrown in the trash. And... Uh, you hear that creep laughter that you hear, you know, in the movie, and you know the creep is somewhere, so there's, you know, one last good jolt before you exit. And that's Creepshow. <laughs> Show and tell. Um, so this is the new creep that Greg designed, and this is our sculpt in progress of the creep we're creating for the maze. Um, I brought some other goodies along to share with you guys. Is that okay? I could just leave. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, one thing, I, you know, I've done Midsummer Scream a whole bunch of times as, as, as long as there's been a convention. Um, Chris and I have spoken at a lot of conventions. We always try to do something new or different or share an aspect of the event that we haven't shared previously. And um, there's a maze we're working on this year. It's called Holidays in Hell. And, um, and what that maze actually really speaks to is, is graphic artists and, and graphic design and, and artwork because the, uh, the inspiration for this maze actually was vintage postcards. That's where this all started. Um, so what I thought I'd do is I'd, I'd showcase the work of, of uh, one of our artists in particular. He's a guy named Lucas Colshaw. Um, he's a fabulous artist. He's been with us for as long as I can remember. He designs every single character. Whenever you see our character renderings that get released for like the scare zones, that's Lucas. He does all of that. But Lucas is, a, is beyond just being able to be a great you know, costume designer, um, character designer. He's just a great artist in general. So this is the year we really let Lucas go wild, particularly with Holidays in Hell. Um, if you guys remember, I think this is one of the first mazes we announced. Um, you all familiar with Holidays in Hell? It was a scare zone last year. You guys saw that? Um, it was, you know, such a well-received scare zone that we decided to turn it into a maze. Um, so, the, you know, it's basically Holidays Gone Bad. Uh, and it's uh, a maze we're doing with the um, uh, 
EMD artist, Figure. I don't know if you guys, you guys know Figure's music. He's been a big part of Horror Nights for years and years, so I called up Figure and said, this would be cool if we worked together this year, and we designed uh, you know, a maze that featured your music as well. And um, like I said, it was inspired by postcards. I don't know about you guys, but I vintage postcards, particularly like Victorian-era greeting cards and postcards, freak me out. They're just creepy. I mean, well, I mean, Jesus, look at it. Where is that? Oh, there it is. Look at Santa. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, boys and girls. <laughs> um, the, the kid holding the turkey. <laughs> you know, these, I don't know what kids, you know, what their psychological state was in Victorian times, but it couldn't have been good. Um, so I, I, I started designing this maze just by pulling tons and tons and tons of vintage postcards and using that as inspiration. Um, and then for the facade of the maze, we knew we were going to be starting with New Year's Eve. And um, I wanted to design the facade like a big, giant postcard. And um, I pulled this. This is actually an old, vintage, Victorian-era kind of postcard. And I thought this was really cool, but I gave it to Lucas and Chris and they turned it into this. So this is actually the facade. Um, where you see the, the big circle, that's, that's a video element. We're doing the clock as a, as a video element that changes. So you're, this is old Lang Syne, um, you know, as remixed by figure. And uh, you're seeing the clock do the countdown, 10, 9, 8. And when it gets to midnight, the, everything goes evil and the clock changes. Um, and there's a lot of different characters. And, and for all of these, we tried to kind of set it in a specific time period. So for like this particular one, I just, I just picked the year 1929. Because um, that's like when everything started to go to hell. <laughs> you know, basically the stock market crash. It was kind of like the giddy heights of the golden, you know, the gilded age of the roaring 20s. And then we go into the Great Depression. So all of, all of the uh, characters that are out in front of this facade are kind of like... Um, dressed like 1920s people that would be going to a New Year's Eve ball, but they're all, of course, skeletons and corpses. And, of course, we have Father Time out here as well. Um, you know, our, I mentioned our props and dressing team. Um, we, we have this off-site facility where we build all this stuff while, while we're waiting to get into the mazes. Um, I, I just think it's funny. I'm just going to read this because I, I took this picture and then I went, Heads, teeth, digits, guts. <laughs> they have shelves organized by heads, teeth, severed fingers, guts. Um, so these are static figures that are in a, in a tableau when you first come into the maze. Um, but where we're going to take you, oh, it's Chris. See, he did make it after all. <laughs> uh, it's a, we decided to set New Year's Eve in a haunted nursery. Um, whenever I do research for nurseries, and I've done a few creepy nurseries over the years, um, I always end up back at Chernobyl. <laughs> it's like every time I'm doing visual research, uh, there, there's a particular nursery in Chernobyl that's been there for, you know, since the accident in the 80s, and it's slowly just rotted away, and all the dolls are still there, and all the stuffed animals. Have you guys seen this? It's the creepiest damn thing in the world. So I use that as our inspiration, but I knew that I also wanted, like, murals painted on the wall, like children's literature murals. And again, I, I went back to my research. Um, these are just some of the images I pulled that are, you know, existing children's literature images that were designed to really screw children up, obviously, right? I'm going to show these to my kids. Um, I mean, Mother Goose, I mean, look at her. 
Is that supposed to be soothing to a child in any way, shape, or form? Look at that hellacious thing riding that evil giant goose. And then, you know, the blackbird in the tree that's as big as the child, you know, just staring at him like, I want to eat you. <laughs> so I gave these images to Lucas, and I'll, I'll, I'll share with you some of the things he came up with for our, the murals you're going to see as you're going through this haunted nursery. So uh, this is obviously a riff on Hansel and Gretel. This is all original artwork, you know, hand-drawn by Lucas. It's amazing. Um, I particularly like, I like this one. You know, there, there you can see he's riffing. But, it, but if, what's clever about is he's got all these hidden jokes, I've noticed, in his illustrations. And some of them took me a little bit of time. I'm like, look, there's Jack on fire. <laughs> and there's Jill with her pail, you know. Um, and obviously, you know, he took the mother goose idea and, and ran with it. I love these. <laughs> these should be like T-shirts or, you know, a calendar or something. Um, obviously, Little Miss Muffet and the cow jumping over the moon. But, I, again, I love the way Lucas thinks and, and the way, you know, I, these aren't things I, I didn't write in the treatment. And the cow must have all of the cuts of meat labeled on him, you know. This is just stuff Lucas comes up with. Um, but it's absolutely gorgeous stuff. So this maze features a lot of really cool artwork. Easter, for example, you know, the... <laughs> That's one badass Easter bunny. Um, I hated Easter as a child. I just hated it. I, I, um, I did a haunted house once on Good Friday in my parents' house. And just my, my, my mom's a Catholic theologian, author of nine books. And she was just, she just, you know, we're getting ready to go to church. And she's like, you're, you're what? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, do, I'm doing a haunted house. It's like, it's Good Friday. And I'm like, well, you know, seemed like a good idea. Um, luckily, it wasn't Easter themed. Uh, but I, I grew up in the 70s as a kid, you know. And I remember um, I grew up uh, in Hacienda Heights in Whittier in that area. Um, yay! You know the Pointy Hills Mall, you know, where they filmed Back to the Future? Yeah, that was like, I worked in that toy store when they were filming Back to the Future, so that was the first set I officially crashed in, in my young life. Um, but they would always have an Easter photo op, you know, back in the, in the 70s when we were kids and parents, you know, they dressed you up, and they drag you to meet a giant frickin' bunny, you know? It's, it's the most, you know, and you guys have gone online and you've seen all those pictures of, you know, all the pictures of kids just screaming bloody murder because mom and dad plopped them down on the lap of a giant freaky bunny, you know. Um, that was the inspiration for this scene. We wanted to make you feel like you were going to an Easter bunny photo op in a mall in the 70s because nothing could be scarier than that. And, of course, that means we needed a giant Easter egg basket. Some guy on our prop crew just made this. I just showed up one day, and I went, oh, look at that. You're, you're quite skilled with whatever, that, whatever you made that out of, you know. It, looks, it might be wood. I'm not even sure. Um, and, of course, we needed giant Easter eggs, you know, and all sorts of bad things are coming out of these Easter eggs. Um, and, but we wanted that classic tableau, you know, the Easter bunny. And these are all, you know, behind-the-scenes pictures. None of this stuff's finished. I'm just showing it to you because I felt like it. Um, you know, the, the screaming child sitting on the lap of the Easter bunny. And then this is, <laughs> this is when they were, like, just starting to set it up. And I, I, walked, into, I walked into our off-site facility, and I was like, oh, my God, I I'm in love. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> um, do you guys remember last year we did Terror Tram? We did um, Hollywood Harry. 
Do you remember like his secret lair, like his little serial killer lair? That's it. <laughs> we work in a place that looks like a place a serial killer would hang out, you know. But that, that was literally where I, I shot it right there. Um, so, of course, you're going you know, to go into this nightmarish Easter Bunny you know, photo op from the 1970s and be attacked by the Easter Bunny. Um, what I did with Figure is work, I wrote, like, kids songs for, like, every one, like almost every single one of these holidays. Um, I wrote, like, a little ditty. Um, and I made the terrible mistake of, like, I, I, I'm like, you know, I, I don't know if most of you guys know. I live in Ireland now. Um, I have the longest commute in the history of this industry, <laughs> you know, 6,000 miles to be here today. Um, and then flying tomorrow. Um, but I'm like, I'm going to write, like, songs. I'm going to write, like, little kid songs, creepy little kid songs, and, and have figure, you know, work with me, and we'll do the music that way. Um, so I wrote, like, this little Easter Bunny song, um, and it's all about him taking his bat and, you know, <laughs> hitting the kids on the head. And, and I was singing it, you know, practicing in the house, and then to my great horror and dismay, my four-year-old and my six-year-old daughters <laughs> were, like, going around, you know, <laughs> With this baseball, you know, starts singing it, and, I, and my wife's just looking at me, going, "You taught them that song," and I'm like, "No, they're just really good at picking up stuff." Fourth of July, <laughs> you know, firework safety. Of course, that's the first thing that comes to mind when you're when you're thinking about doing a a scary Fourth of July scene, and you know, again, um, that classic roadside firework stand. You know, that's, that you find out in the middle of nowhere, maybe in the Midwest or somewhere on Route 66. That's, that's the idea here. But, you know, they like sell cigarettes and fireworks. So it's just a really bad combination. So they've set fire to everything. Everything's blowing up. Um, it's very patriotic themed. Um, but that meant, you know, I don't know if you realize this, but, like, I can't just take a product you know, like if we're doing a scene with a bunch of fireworks, I just can't take like some fireworks box and put it on the set. You know, everything, everything under the sun these days is copyrighted, right? So that means our graphics team have to design fake products, and they've been doing this for years. Um, these are their fake fireworks brands that don't really exist, like the Mauler. But again, I just, I just love the fact that the, these guys are so creative. And what's great about getting to work with so many talented people is they bring to the event all sorts of creativity that we didn't even think of. Um, I'll show you a couple more. Um, all of the scenes in this maze are kind of set up by these postcards or these graphics. So that's our Halloween one. And uh, one of my personal favorites, Thanksgiving. My, my favorite character in the whole event last year was Turkey Lurkey. If you, <laughs> that evil turkey dressed in a pilgrim costume. I just thought that was awesome. Um, so what we did for his scene is it's kind of like that Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving painting, you know, that classic painting of the family all gathered. And there's mom and dad and grandma and, you know, Aunt Susie and et cetera. And... Um, there's Grandma. Because <laughs> Grandma's dead. Aunt Susie lost her head. Um, and it's true, they did. Um, this is the prop guys. This is what they call, we call roughing it out. So they're just setting bodies down. None of this is finished. And then Chris or myself comes through, mostly Chris, being the art director. And then he kind of goes, okay, yeah, good with that, good with that. No, I don't like that body. Get rid of that one. Swap it out. Um, but my idea is that the turkeys would take their revenge, as they surely have every right to do, you know, we've been eating them for millennium, um, and they would kill everybody having dinner, 
but they would kill them with the implements of that dinner and with anything they found on the table. So, you know, they stab people to death, of course, with carving knives and forks and that type of thing. But I don't know if you noticed, but grandma's throat has been slashed with a wishbone. You know, you know it's stuck in her throat. Um, I wanted one guy, like, you know, drowned in, in a jello mold. <laughs> so our prop guys actually, like, made jello, which is pretty amazing. Um, and it's just all the crazy stuff these guys have to create. Um, all right. So that's a little bit on maze graphics and art. I thought what I'd do before we get to our trivia question and giveaway and everything is, you know, we announced the scare zones recently. I don't know. Does everybody know we announced our scare zones? Okay. Um, so these are all original this year. Um, I think we only released like one piece of art maybe for each of these. So I thought I'd, you know, I'd share some of the artwork we created for these characters. And if you're good, if you're very, very good, I'll show you some makeup sculpts. Is that cool? All right. So the opening scare zone for Horror Nights this year is called Fallen Angels with a Z. Why? Because it pisses you off. <laughs> every time I do this, every time I, you know, add a Z, there's always somebody on Twitter who just gets violently angry. And so I enjoy that. I, every year, I just, I just, every year I make sure there's at least one, just so that one guy can be angry for the rest of his life. Um, <laughs> So Fallen Angels is, well, it's hard to describe. I'm just going to show it to you. Um, it's these skeletal guys that are bejeweled. You know, there's all these jewels all over them. So they're like these ornamented skulls, and they all have these kind of like, almost like biker jacket, angel tattoo, you know, wings embroidered on the back of their costume. Um, but each one of them is different, and there's, I'm only showing you a couple of them. There's a whole bunch of these guys. Of course, they're all armed with chainsaws. Um, and just to give you an example of the amount of work that has to go into what our makeup artists are doing right now um, is like after you sculpt the skull and you make the skull, they have to, you know, apply all of these jewels to every one of them. I just brought one. That's just one, and there's a whole bunch of them. So it's just a kind of a totally different look than anything we've done before. Um, probably the zone, one of the ones I'm most excited for is called Spirits and Demons of the East. Um, we've talked about this for years, and a lot of times people on Twitter have, you know, make suggestions and they say, like, you should do something with, um, with you know, Asian myths or ghosts or demons. Um, and we've thought about it. We've just never done it before. Um, so this year we decided this is going to be the year we actually do this because there's a wealth of amazing characters uh, in incredible creatures and designs, and we wanted to bring all that to life. So this is kind of the big hub part of the upper deck of the theme park. We call it our New York set area. It's right in front of Universal Plaza. Um, and I'll just, sh you know, show you some of the character designs. These are very costume heavy. <laughs> so, you know, we have all these costume designers that have to build every single costume that we think up. Um, and they have to, you know, go by the art and figure out the pattern and figure out you know, how they're going to make it. Um, this is just our Chinese and Mongolian ghost characters. Um, I thought it'd be interesting just to show you, this is like the costumes in progress. So these, uh, this, the different costumes they're making for this zone. Um, I love this guy, the samurai demon. Um, so this is what his makeup sculpt looks like. So all of this is really heavily stylized. You know, it's all trying to be authentic, to the look of these characters. 
Um, another one I, I like very much is the dragon demon character. So then we gave this to uh, Pat McGee and his talented team of makeup artists. And then, you know, one night at midnight or something, my phone lights up and I get this. So these are pretty amazing. They're all kind of like works of art. <laughs> Here's another thing we've always wanted to do. Always wanted to do this. We've been talking about this for years. We have a lot of stilt walkers that work on our event, and they're, you know, I love stilt walkers. I, if you put me on those things, I would be dead in five minutes. You know, there's no way I could do what they do. They do pirouettes in the street. They jump. Um, and every year, I just keep adding more and more because I just love the impact that they have in the event. For years, our stilt walker captain has been coming up to me and, and uh, Scott Kleckner, who's in charge of training all of our characters with me. Scott Kleckner, wow. Scott has his fan club here today. And Scott, every year, Scott's like, let's do four-legged stilts. And we just have never done it before. And this is the year we're doing it. And I haven't told anybody this, so this is all new information. Um, this is a special character we designed for four-legged stilts. So we, we put them on some of our really, really good stilt guys. And they sent me a video. And I think I was in Ireland at the time. And I got this video, and I watched it. And I'm like, we must have this. <laughs> so um, this is his sculpt. He's actually looking out the mouth. That's how his vision is. Um, and this is what Pat and his team is doing right now. And then Holidays in Hell actually ends in a scare zone. It's in the upper deck of our theme park. It's a part of our lot we call uh, French Street. Um, and if you, did you guys go to Universal Monsters last year? So, we, you know, we had that scare zone that was Monster Masquerade that ended the maze. And I just loved the fact that the maze went right into the scare zone. So we created a new scare zone this year that's called Christmas in Hell. And um, the maze ends with Christmas. Christmas is the last thing um, that you see in the maze. And then it bleeds over into the scare zone. So the whole scare zone is Christmas-themed. That meant uh, that we got to invent new characters like Satan Claus. I didn't realize this, you know. Um, if you just rearrange the letters Santa, <laughs> it spells Satan. So this is, uh, this is Satan Claus. So then again, we give it to Pat McGee and his team. And that's what you get back. So uh, the Christmas part of the maze is actually like a Christmas tree lot. It just happens to be Satan Claus's Christmas tree lot. And you, we, we kind of themed the whole exit of the maze so it kind of blends organically into French Street. And then it picks up. Um, you know, it, it allows us to bring back some characters that we've done in the past from, like, Dark Christmas. Do you guys remember Dark Christmas? Yeah, it was a scare zone we did years ago. It was the first Christmas-themed scare zone we did. So some of those evil elf characters, Jack Frost, which is a character, although he's getting a whole new look this year. Um, you know, Mrs. Claus, which we had in Holidays in Hell last year. Um, but also, you know, at the very end of the scare zone, you run into Baby New Year 1929. <laughs> this is what he looks like. Um, and this is his sculpt in process. Um, and I mentioned, you know, I love stilt walkers. So I wanted to do a nutcracker. I just thought that would be so cool, you know. Just a big, evil nutcracker with big, you know, big, giant teeth. Um, 
So this is the sculpt. Oops, sorry. Here, here's his costume. So again, the costume department, you know, Lucas does a drawing, gives a rendering, and then we give that to our costume department, and then they have to build everything, and that's just the costume in process, and then this is the sculpt. Yeah. Should be fun. I think we should just leave him in the park for Christmas after Halloween. <laughs> you know, we actually did that. Do you guys do you remember? We actually did that one, like, way back, like... I know I've been there, like, way too long, but, like, you know, um, it might have been, like, 2006, or right when we were kind of bringing Horror Nights back. Um, we actually did, like, a scary Christmas zone during regular Christmas. We only did it once, <laughs> and never did it again after that, but it was kind of cool. Wow. Well, there you, you've heard it, so I guess you guys, you know, you can write letters. <laughs> uh, another, you know, we're doing Toxic Tunnel with three X's this time. You know it's new because it has three X's. Not two, like last year. It's got three this time. Um, <laughs> and people always ask me things like, you know, why are you doing Toxic Tunnel again? I'm like, well, you guys are walking to the back lot, and you're walking through a tunnel. And you know, it's a tunnel. <laughs> I can't change it. It's a tunnel. Um, what that actually is, that's, that's, you know, that's back a house movie studio. That's part of the big technical building in the shop where they build all of, you know, um, where, where they maintain and build the sets for movies and TV shows. That's what you guys are actually walking through, that big tunnel. Um, so this year we decided to go a little bit of a different direction with the characters. They've been, you know, different things down through the years. But I really like the design aesthetic of kind of, you know, the hot rod monsters you know, kind of Big Daddy Ed Roth, that type of thing. Um, so it, they're kind of like, you know, monster mechanics, if you will. So this is just Frankie and Drac, you know. But it's all done in that kind of crazy, you know, crazy cartoon, you know, hot rod, you know, aesthetic. And that's kind of the, the, the way we're approaching Toxic Tunnel. And then last but not least, um, we always have a big scare zone, and every year it kind of gets bigger and bigger down in the Metro Set area, which is the back lot part of, of uh, the movie studio where we build usually three mazes. Um, you know, I got, when I'm jet lagged, I always have to, to check myself. Um, what mazes have we announced? Let's make sure I don't screw this up. That's where Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman is going to be out there. Um, that's where Ghostbusters, you heard about that, I assume. Yeah, Ghostbusters. That's where Ghostbusters is going to be. And by the way, I, oh, it's good. I can actually tell you all three. Um, that's where Creepshow is going to be. So Creepshow is on the opposite side of that giant wall um, that last year would have been like the Horrors of Blumhouse or, you know, a couple of years before that, American Horror Story. That's where Creepshow is going to be. Um, but, there, you know, the first thing that happens when you walk across the street and you, after you've gone through Toxic Tunnel is you get to uh, the Metro Set area. And we always start it with a scare zone. Last year it was Holidays in Hell. Um, and this year uh, we created a scare zone that is now called All, All Hollows Evil. Um, it, I say now called because uh, a guy who works really closely with me and Chris and has for years and years and years on Horror Nights, and his specialty is always park decor and the scare zones. He's the guy who actually uh, is, deserves all of the credit for the scare zones. His name is Pat Quinn. He's probably here somewhere tonight. Um, I don't know if he wants to stand up or not. I can embarrass him. Pat, are you in the audience? Patty! 
Where are you? Somebody point to Pat. All right, there he is. There he is. Give it up for Pat Quinn. Uh, Chris and I have known Pat, you know, for, for years and years and years. And Pat just thinks differently than Chris and I, you know. And he, and he his brain works in, in ways I can't describe, but in really good ways. Um, but he always has really cool ideas for scare zones and characters and, the, and things we wouldn't normally have thought of. He's the one who brought, you know, the, uh, the idea of doing spirits and demons of the Far East. You know, that was, you know for, that was Pat's idea. All of these scare zones are his idea. And then he comes and he pitches them to Chris and I. And the vast majority of the time, we just go, that's great. Let's do it. Um, so he pitched me a scare zone that he originally titled Samhain Festival of Darkness. But I'm Irish now. That's not how you pronounce that word. <laughs> it, I don't know if you know, uh, Halloween actually originated in, in Ireland, you know, and it was a, a harvest festival that Americans call Samhain. And, and I'm going to mess this up entirely, and every person in Ireland is going to beat me up the minute I got off the plane Monday morning when I fly tomorrow night. Um, but I think it's pronounced Saun. Saun, right? Saun. So I just couldn't do a scare zone called Saun. Festival of Darkness. Sound Festival of Darkness. So uh, we changed the name to All Hallows Evil, but the idea that Pat came up is the same. It's to, to pay homage to all of that great pagan, you know, original, original Halloween, pagan festival, harvest festival. I'll show you a few characters. The pagan witch uh, and the druid. Uh, and we're weaving in different things. It's not exclusively Irish, you know. It's kind of all of that kind of early mythological stuff. Uh, Wendigo Scarecrow, uh, I call him Murder of Crows. And then this, this is one Pat really had to sell us on. <laughs> He's like, I want to do a green man. And we were like, what? Um, but when they drew it up, he and you know, working with Lucas drew it up, we were like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And I just got this last night and banged it into this deck so I could share it with you. So this is the sculpt in process for the green man. And he gets these big, big, huge horns on his head. And then last but not least, uh, again, stilt walkers. I love stilt walkers. Pat designed a really cool Wendigo stilt walking character. It's like eight foot tall. And that's the sculpt in process. And that's his incredibly large horns on top of his head. All right. And that's what I have to share with you today for Halloween Horror Nights 2019. All right. I just got the five-minute warning, which means, my God, I'm on time. I, have, I never think about, when I put these things together, I just go, eh, 120 pages, fine. I never even try to, like, time it. And it always works out like this. It's kind of crazy. Um, we're going to do a giveaway. We're going to do a trivia giveaway. Before we do that, what I really want to say to everybody um, that's been supporting this event for, geez, this is my 14th year of doing this, and I, I just, there's a, you know, I, I originally, my goal was 10. That was my whole goal. I wanted to get to 10, and that was it. I was going to retire and be done. I keep doing it, and I keep traveling 6,000 miles to do it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because of all of you, because, I mean, honestly, um, we are so lucky, you know, as designers, you know, I know a lot of you guys want to get into this. Um, as someone who started doing this in my parents' garage in 1977, doing a Star Wars unlicensed haunted house, <laughs> um, 
I, I can't tell you how, how much it means to Chris and myself and everybody who works on this event. The passion that you fans have for this event is something that none of us could have ever anticipated. It makes us want to do better work, and hopefully we do that for you guys. But most of all, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, without you guys, I would be... You know, I, right now I'd probably be dancing with like a marionette puppet on Grafton Street in Ireland for like, you know, somebody to toss me a euro, you know. Um, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And to show that appreciation, we're going to do a little ticket giveaway here. A uh, little different this time. We're going to give two tickets to Fan Preview Night, in case you don't know. On Thursday, September 12th, we're doing a special Fan Preview Night. It's very limited, the number of tickets we're going to sell for that. Um, but you're going to get to go, and you're also going to get a frequent fear pass for HHN 2019. And it's a trivia question. And the topic is a maze we announced recently, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Okay, you guys fans of Killer Clowns? Well, again, you guys deserve the credit. If it wasn't for all of you constantly badgering me on Twitter to do Killer Clowns. That's the reason why we're doing it. It's to do it to say, please stop asking me. Here you go, here's the mate. No, we're doing it because we, we've heard you year after year after year. And of course, Orlando did that fabulous scare zone last year. So now both of us are doing Killer Clowns from Outer Space. But this question is gonna deal with this guy. His name is John, not John Verson, <laughs> John Vernon. It was late and I said I'm jet lagged. I woke up at four in the morning and I couldn't type his name. Um, he played a character named Officer Mooney. You remember him, right? Killer Clowns in that space. The way this is going to work is I'm going to ask the question, and I'm going to pick one hand. So if you yell out the name, I'm going to tear that up, and nobody gets it, okay? I'm going to pick one person, and we'll see if they get this right. So the question is, John Vernon, the actor who played Officer Mooney in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, also starred as Dean Wormer in this classic 1978 universal comedy right there. Animal House. And you are absolutely right. So come on up. Come on up and grab this. No. Well, yeah. Sure, come on up. <laughs> selfie. Selfie time. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I'll be out there somewhere if you want to come by and say hi. I'd be happy to see you guys. Thank you so much for being fans of this event. We graciously appreciate it. We have a lot more in store, so follow us on Twitter, Halloween Horror Nights 2019. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to contact us here at Stay Haunted, shoot us an email, creepykingdom at gmail.com. And of course, all your Creepy Kingdom needs, links to our social media, check out our reviews, our articles, our videos, our brand new YouTube show, Stay Haunted. Everything Creepy Kingdom can be found at creepykingdom.com. And just like was stated at the top of the show, if you would like to help us out, check out Foolish Mortals, check out our Patreon-exclusive podcast. You can do so by going to patreon.com. Slash Creepy Kingdom. And once again, this episode of Stay Haunted is sponsored by some spooky stuff, spooky apparel for spooky people, and the exclusive place to get a Creepy Kingdom t shirt that's some spooky stuff.com. 
All right, until next time, stay haunted.